0: Hey everyone, this week's episode of the Berman Hour Podcast is brought to you by New Wave and Flow State Coffee. Coffee for creativity, for people like you and me. Well, especially me, because I have a proclivity to have a very high sensitivity to caffeine. And this coffee is great for that. Well balanced, and it has L-theanine in it, which is an amino acid that naturally reduces stress and anxiety. Go to N O O W A V E. Dot c-o slash b-e-r-m-a-n and get 10% off your order of New Wave's Flow State Coffee. Also sponsoring the podcast this week, Hello Productions. You might know them as Hello TV. They are the turnkey, all-inclusive, live stream concert video production company. They're based in Nashville. They can and will and have traveled to do shows elsewhere. But if you're on the fence about doing a live stream, hit them up. HelloTV.com, H-E-L-L-O-O-O-T-V.com. Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's quite a monumental podcast, if I may say so myself, because I'm interviewing my own publicist. How fucking weird is that, right? I'm interviewing Kevin Day from Part-Time PR. He's also in the band Aspiga, and he also has a new project, kind of newish project, called Graduation Speech. We dive into all of that. But because, you know, Kevin is my publicist, I feel it is the right thing to point out that I have a new single out, a new Divided Heaven single in my life, the classic Beatles song. I was commissioned to do this by a longtime supporter of Divided Heaven. I was commissioned to do this for her wedding. And I couldn't be there to play the wedding, unfortunately, so I was commissioned to do this song. I did it last year, and then I rediscovered it a few months ago and really loved it, and I asked her if it was okay if I released the song for a charity drive, and she said, go for it. So we did, and we did. So right now, across all streaming platforms and on Bandcamp, my rendition of the Beatles classic, In My Life is available to be listened to, streamed, and downloaded. All proceeds from the sales and streams of this single will be going to Lancaster Stands Up, which is a local, well, newly local for me, for my new hometown of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a nonprofit group that is focused on creating a more equitable and sustainable place for everyone to live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So with all that said, I want to say thanks to Kevin for coming on the podcast and doing a little bit of a role reversal. You know, interviewing your publicist was an interesting thing, but it's always great to talk to him, and I can't wait to share this interview with you. So enjoy my podcast interview here on the Berman Hour Podcast with Kevin Day from Graduation Speech, Aspiga, and Part-Time PR. Let's get it.
1: Good good I I shaved uh yesterday uh for like the first time and I just feel like not myself so you know that's good
0: (laughs) why do you not feel like yourself
1: I just oh I'm so used to having a beard and then I hit these points where I'm like I you know I want to shave it and then I did that yesterday and I was like why did I do that I don't I don't feel good about it but uh I think it looks good, yeah. man. I Thank good, you. Man. Yeah, I, it just takes a little time to accept it.
0: Leading up to Fest every year, mm-hmm. you just see all of these bands, but you have to have a beard to right. be featured on that page. It just like yeah. that's how it works. But it's not even the big kind of gruffy beards, you know. As I have yeah. friends who do that, and like, cool, that's your thing, like whatever. Right. You know, <laughs> it, it is what it is, but. I, I told my protagonist bandmates I was like yo like none of us have full beards and I know I'm the most patchy like my facial hair looks the worst I'm I'm fine with that like I know that <laughs> but we all look like we have dirt on our face like we don't we don't mm-hmm. look like men with beards we look <laughs> like teenagers with shitty attempts so sure, why don't sure. we do something for this? Ne- the next time we play fest this was a couple of years ago why don't we just all go clean shaven and j- just look really dapper when we play. So even though yeah. we're playing CMC Backyard or whatever, we look like, you know, we just stepped off a fucking movie set and everyone was like, no, <laughs> oh, I haven't done it. I haven't shaved in so long. <laughs> Fuck that. So kudos yeah. to, Good for you, Kevin. For thank, you, for thank
1: you. Thank you. You know, I think it's like, maybe this is totally in my head, but I feel like a lot of West Coast bands don't rock the beards in the punk rock world. Is is, is there any truth to that? I just feel like I see bands that are based out of, like, California, and and there's not that isn't such a present thing, the beard, like everyone rocking beards.
0: I don't know. I don't know if if that's true or not. I will say that as you were saying that, I could immediately think of somebody. His name is Brent, a friend of mine. He lives in Orange County. He plays in a great band called Taken Days, who just put out a record on Wiretap. Good-looking man. Works for a fire department and he's right. ripped and he's clean shaven. I mean, he looks yeah. like straight out of Abercrombie. <laughs> I know he's going to piss himself when he hears me say that. But then I, I can't really think of anybody else off the top of my head that's clean shaven. And then I can't think of anybody on the East Coast now, with the exception of Divided Heaven and Graduations Beat, yeah. who are actually clean shaven. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe for sure. It, maybe it's. I don't think it's as drastic as maybe you think it, it is, but Yeah. I, I don't I think I don't you're know. more inclined to discover a clean shaven, dapper looking punk band in Southern California than anywhere else probably. And I'm glad that you're my you're my uh my spirit animal in that now as well. Now that I'm seeing you for the first time. I don't think I've ever seen you without a beard.
1: Yeah, that's 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 what I mean. I just feel like I always have it. It's uh it's so strange not to have it. Um but yeah. Here I am. Where exposed. are you now?
0: You're, are you home?
1: I am home, yes, in Collingswood, New Jersey.
0: Where is Collingswood?
1: 20 minutes away from, uh, like, Center City, Philadelphia. Right next to Camden, Cherry Hill, South Jersey. Sure. It's, it, it's, like, Philly suburbs on the Jersey side.
0: Got it. Got it. Is that where you're from? Did you grow up there?
1: Yes. So... I grew up in Woodland, which is the town next to Collinswood. Um, right. I was there until like seventh grade, and then I moved to Collinswood, and I've been here since.
0: So you've been in that part of Jersey your whole life. Did you ever live yeah. on the other side of the river? Wow, Jersey through Always and through. Always here. Yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of love for New Jersey.
0: All right, well then how do you feel about Bruce Springsteen?
1: I asked Robin
0: uh, the same question. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he, uh, I he's fine. He's fine. I like him more as like a symbol than anything. Like I don't listen to Bruce Springsteen. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's probably a terrible thing to say coming from Jersey, but uh, yeah, Truth. I don't really. Yeah, I just yeah. don't listen to him. But I think uh, he's good. He's a good symbol. He fights for the common man, or at least
0: that's the persona. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. So he's fine. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. Like, I can put on a record and be moved to tears sure. just as equally as I can put on a record and get up right after putting it on and putting something else on instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad he's on our team. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's, he's he's a good, he seems like
1: a good guy. I don't know. I've never talked to him. Um, but he seems just fine. So he likes Joe Strummer. He seems like he came up like, you know, in some sort of crowd that feels maybe it's adjacent to what we have going on. Like he's like familiar with things. And some of that has like, bled into his personality or something i mean I the know, fact maybe... that
0: he he knows and really went out of his way to push gaslight anthem for a few years yeah. so maybe that rubbed off on him so he's you know. yeah i mean I, I feel like it's probably
1: before gaslight like yeah, the fact yeah, that he like is as big as he is and like acknowledges like like punk music i feel like i maybe it's maybe i'm making this up maybe he just likes the clash i mean the clash is like bigger than punk right
0: so yeah, i true. don't know <laughs> maybe we're getting maybe he just likes the clash yeah. exactly well, i know wor- he, i mean it could be worse for a hometown guy you know you that's true right nugent nugent or you know exactly Someone with like, really I'll take shitty politics
1: <laughs> i'll take bruce all day he seems great uh So keep doing your thing, Bruce. You're not going to hear this, but just keep doing your thing. You're doing good work out there.
0: (laughs) Hey, you never know. You never know. That's true. I I was thinking about this. This is a groundbreaking, history-making podcast interview because this may be the first time on record that the client is interviewing the publicist in a public forum. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm in the hot seat tonight. <laughs> yeah, I can hold your feet to the fire. Yeah. yeah what did Brooklyn sure. Vegan really say about me? What did they really say? <laughs> Brooklyn Vegan's been
1: fantastic. I will say yeah. that. Uh, Shout
0: out to Brooklyn Vegan. They have been very good. And it's been sure. great. You and I have a great working relationship. So this, this will oh, be a yeah. lot of fun. Um, but it, we will be making history as this unfolds, obviously. For sure. Where and when did you start playing music? Presumably in New Jersey. Now I know. Yeah. But at what point, Uh, how old were you when you started playing music? I can't, I don't know that I can put a, I don't know, maybe seventh, eighth grade, I guess,
1: something around there. Uh, All I know is that I was really into hockey, foot hockey in a league and did that and just loved hockey. And then... All of a sudden, I got a guitar, and I stopped playing hockey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was like a very clear transition where I was like, uh, cool, this guitar is like awesome, and I'm going to play it. Uh, my uncle bought me a squire, like a green squire that I, uh sh- strapped. Like it, yeah, it was a Strat. And uh, yeah, that was my first guitar. I put every band sticker possible on it. And I started just playing songs um, or trying That's, to play songs.
0: That seems like a typical or rather standard age bracket for somebody yeah. to get into music and to kind of ditch the conventional idea of sports. I, I very much did the same thing around that time. Can you cite some specific bands that really made you fall in love with music to the point that you wanted to try to emulate them and to play Mm. that kind of music?
1: I I remember my aunts and uncles listening to Y100 a lot. Um, So I was exposed to a a whole bunch of alternative rock bands at, you know, I guess, you, uh, you know, a few years before I started playing. So I was, you know, pretty young. Um. And I just remember that resonating with me and, like, uh, just remembering all the words to all these songs on the radio.
0: And for those that don't know, Y100, it was the Philadelphia area. It was a diverse rock station. Would that be fair to yeah. say? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were, like, the champion of, of alternative music. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it was, like, a lot of, I guess at that time, still a lot of grunge and... uh definitely more rock oriented. Yeah. And uh if you listened later at night, I think you would be more exposed to some of the up and coming punk bands of that time. So yeah, they, they they played a whole bunch of uh different bands and it definitely impacted me. And my older brother, I feel like, is responsible for getting me into uh so much of the music I listen to now. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess someone exposed him to ska punk music at some point in high school, and then I heard it, and uh, I just wanted to write music just like that. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, what were the bands? The Boss Tones, for sure. You know, the
1: the big, the big names. Boss Tones, Real like Big Fish, all of those bands at the time were like the gateway. Yeah, But I do remember very clearly... Listening to Mail Order is fun or Mail Order is still fun. Whichever Asian Man comp had the Fueled by Ramen bands attached to it at the end. Mm -hmm. And I found Plan B by The Impossibles. And it just like totally rocked everything in my mind. I was like, this is like the greatest thing ever. And to this day, they're still my favorite band. I just think they're the, the best of... Whether they're doing ska or if they're doing, like, Weezer-esque rock, it's just, like, the best. Yeah, they
0: were a really fun band. I kind of caught them at what I believe was the end of their, at least their first run. Did Mm -hmm. you ever get to see them? Uh, I saw
1: them at the Warp Tour, and that was when they had released their last EP, uh, Four Song Brick Bomb, which is, like, one of the best EPs ever. Everyone should listen to it. It's the best. (laughs) I had tickets to see them. In Philly, they were playing the rotunda, and the the night of, my dad was like, "No, you can't go," and I was like, "No," <laughs> what are you talking about. So uh, I didn't get to see them, and there's like pictures from that show where the the bassist is like hanging off the railings and stuff, and I, sure. I'm just like, I didn't get to see him, but I flew out to Texas to see them for their reunion shows. I got to see them twice. I had tickets for Saturday, but they played a friends, family, and press-only show. And I tweeted at whoever was sponsoring it, and I was like, I'm from New Jersey, and I have an Impossibles tattoo. I have to go. And uh, they were like, well, what are you going to do for them? And I'm just thinking, like, uh, I'm not going to embarrass myself on the internet or anything. So, like, I hope it's nothing like that. And they're, they're just like, no, just kidding. Like you, you got it. And,
0: That's
1: uh, sweet. I saw them, it was like a shed. Um, oh, cool. I, I, <laughs> There was like 50 people there. I don't even, maybe less, basically like seeing the impossibles at a house show. Uh, and it was like, just, it was the best. I, I was so That's happy. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. And then I saw them the next night and they did their, their full set. And, uh, that was great too. I, a little crowd surfing, which I don't ever really do.
0: Cutting loose, Kevin. Nice. for
1: the Impossibles. Yeah, they—they're the band. They were a huge influence. I remember my buddy Rob at Polyvinyl. We took a train ride over to South Street, and we went to Repo Records, and he bought "Apathy and Exhaustion" by the Lawrence Arms. Yeah. And we came back home uh, to my house, and we, you know, threw it on my CD player, and I just like was like, okay. This, like, this is it. <laughs> I got, like, really sick that summer, just really, like, losing a ton of weight and in and out of the hospital and doctor's offices. And uh, I listened to that album just, like, religiously, and it really... I don't know. It just stuck with me. That's another one that just like I latched onto, and it felt like a total game changer. Sure.
0: Is that still your favorite Lawrence Arms record?
1: I think I fall into the camp of like you forget how good it is because like I'll listen to Greatest Story Ever Told, even the newer ones. Like I have to kind of remember to go back to Apathy and Exhaustion. And then as soon as I put it on, I'm like, yeah, this is just as good as everything else they've done. At least I I think that. Yeah,
0: I, I owe that record a revisit for sure.
1: Yeah, I I, <laughs> I think I saw, so there is one song on it. It's one of Chris's songs. I saw them, when I saw them for the first time, it was the, I want to say, plea for Peace tour with Thursday, International yeah. Noise Conspiracy. And they
0: opened that whole thing. Yeah,
1: I right. remember that. So I went to see them. That was the first time I saw them. And uh, I think Apathy was the newest album they had at the time. Fairly certain they played that song at that show. And ever since then, I have not heard them play that song. I've seen them like 30 times and they just don't, they don't, they don't play it. And It'll be like, (laughs) they'll play it the next night in like Baltimore. I'm like, do I have to like skip the Philly date to hear (laughs) this song? Like what is going on? I've seen them in Montreal, I've seen them in Florida, I've seen them in Chicago, everywhere I feel like, and they just, they don't play it, so uh, apparently Chris says it's one of those songs where people think they want to hear it, but it doesn't, like, hit live like other songs, which I I can, I get, but.
0: Yeah, I think that's true for that record in general, if if I can say. It is, it is. Yeah, a lot of those songs, especially compared to tracks on their later records, just don't have the same power. For sure, for sure. It's a
1: it's a really good album. I don't want to say it's a
0: studio album, but
1: yeah, there. You know, there's songs. I'm sure you have songs. I have songs too that on the recording, you're like, oh, this is this is great, but for whatever reason, it doesn't translate the same way live. I just, I do want to hear the song.
0: Why can't I think of the song? Well, they're not doing you any favors. Their song titles are never straightforward, so. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Oh, Your Gravest Words?
1: Yeah, Your Gravest Words. Okay. That's it. That is the one. That is is it. I can't remember if I asked them to play it. I might have when we played with them. I think I would have.
0: I I saw them in (laughs) Brooklyn in 2006. It was this weird CMJ thing in Red Hook and it was like a smaller show because for people that know Red Hook in, in Brooklyn doesn't have a train stop and the mm-hmm. buses there kind of sketch and the neighborhood back then was kind of sketch. So it was this fat records showcase at CMJ, but it was kind of this lonely island away from the rest of the festival and it made it cool because it was small and it was if the people there kind of. Went out of their way to make this dangerous trek to this fucking and that I never went back to. And I, because it was kind of smaller, I kind of thought they would be ingratiating themselves to people a little bit more and I could mm-hmm. be a little bit more endearing. So I went up to them and I was like, You taking requests? And they were like, Maybe, you know, that typical, <laughs> like, I just drank too much. Maybe, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, Could you play Fireflies? <laughs> and Chris, who was the nicest guy, he just looks at the bandmates and then he looks at me and he just goes, uh, that ain't happening.
1: <laughs> oh, <wow. That's laughs> and they just good. proceeded
0: to just make fun of me in a playful way, and I just kind of sure, sure. And, this is yeah. a good time, guys. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That's great. That's but great. No, I, yeah. I love that about them that they're they have a brutal honesty about their own catalog. That yeah. Uh, they, oh yeah. Like they they don't have any indifference to anything. It's it's very right. much uh, hot or cold, good or bad, and and they have a great sense of humor about it, which I think is is funny too. So for sure you know for sure yeah well let's jump well, ahead because we're yeah. talking because you have a great new record that's just about to drop the singles out and this is under the graduation speech moniker the record is called private anxieties i wanted to talk to you without going too deep because this is kind of a cliche question but as a speaker was kind of you know, rounding third, so to speak, and you guys were kind of curtailing the end of what was a very good career, you decided to do this graduation speech solo project. I'm mm-hmm. curious why you decided to do that and then also speak to how it then blossomed into a full band project as it is on this record, this new record.
1: I, I had always... So Aspiga started as a solo project. Um Oh, really? Yes. So okay. that was... It started very similar to Graduation Speech. It was me, an acoustic guitar, bedroom recordings, and all that jazz. Graduation Speech, I had, I had some songs sitting around that I thought clearly weren't Aspiga songs, and I wanted to record something that was uh, on the softer side because I listened to so much music that falls into that territory so mm-hmm. uh, you know you know brian hanalei when i first heard hanalei it just like was another one of those moments where i was like oh this is great and uh i still listen to his catalog repeatedly like it's just all the time i put it on uh fingers cut mega machine which was devin williams from oscars uh post-punk oh, right. you know he Oscar ended. He started fingers cut, similar vein. Um, New Amsterdam's, all of these bands that kind of like these singer songwriters that were in punk bands uh, started kind of messing around with acoustic guitars and and uh, yeah, it just I, I I eat it up. So <laughs> I was like, it would be fun to do something like that.
0: But everyone you mentioned did it with a little bit of finesse and nuance. It wasn't just a direct translation of right, you know. Like, there is oh, well, here, here's Wonderwall without the band and just an acoustic right. break. for Especially sure the new Amsterdam's sure. there was a um uh, uh there were levels to it that was just beyond Matt Pryor being by himself
1: for sure and yeah. and I think that's maybe why I appreciated it a little more it mm-hmm. felt uh a little you could hear where it could go there was there was something like it some of them started out very kind of like oh well I'm figuring this out but you could kind of get those feelings like this is going to be much bigger i'm very excited to hear like where they go with this yeah so that just really impacted me in a huge way and uh i was like yeah i want to write these uh i want to write some songs like this and it just happened to be around the time where things with the spiga were kind of slowing down Uh, because we we you know like we're still a band, which is not nearly as active as we were. And yeah, uh, yeah that, it was just like the timing kind of coincided with that.
0: What possessed you to want to have graduation speech in 2020 blossom into a full band? We now know that, and I wasn't aware of this, that a speaker began in a similar fashion and mm-hmm. then blossomed into a band. So how did you decide to make that turn to do the same thing, albeit differently for graduation speech.
1: One of the uh, approaches to graduation speech for me has been take it one step at a time. At the time a was just I mean we we hit a point where we were so full throttle that I don't want to say it wasn't enjoyable, but you get so caught up in like, well, are we playing enough shows? Are we playing the right shows? Are we doing enough, you know, are we recording enough or who are, you know, there's just so much that it becomes like really taxing. When I started graduation speech, I was like, I kind of want to just, you know, do things very slow and and kind of set the pace myself. So the first recording was totally solo and it was recorded by Dan Anderson, who ran Cat Cat Records and was in Secret Plot to destroy the entire universe. And it was just like some bedroom like i don't know i think I re- we recorded it in an apartment in philly and then at a house outside of philly i thought for sure it was going to be one of those things where i send it to some friends i put it on Bandcamp, and that's the end of it like there's nothing you know past that and uh i sent it to dave from black numbers and he really liked it and it was like oh i guess like maybe we can do something with this and uh I was like, well, this is cool. It's like feels kind of natural. It was like I wasn't like, I need to do this, 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 and that. It just kind of fell fell into place. Yeah, no pressure. Um, yeah, and the second EP, I was like, the the blueprint for the second EP is um, an EP by Fingers Cut Mega Machine called Pipe Dreams. Um, it's it's like it's just so good and. It has a lot of sparse instrumentation and it was something I wanted to do uh, with graduation speech, but I didn't know how to do it. (laughs) Uh, And what I mean by that is I'm so used to being in a room with other people for songwriting that I feel like once you get in a room with people, it can kind of affect the way the song, like the outcome of the song versus maybe what you had in your head. So I was like, "How do I like, like if I just hear like a faint kick drum come in every once in a while, like, well, how do I like get there? Because I'm so used to thinking like, well, you have to get like X amount of people in a room and you have to like lay out the whole thing and then like you go in and record it together, and uh it was so, so not my my realm. But I recorded with Eric uh, from God Damn it and Creep Records, yeah. and I went in and I laid down." all of my guitar parts and i think some scratch vocals and then i sent them to my friend devin who then added percussion and some drumming and i just had let him have free range and um and then we came back and i did uh more guitars and my buddy pat did bass or i'm sorry uh piano so that was kind of the introduction of other players in the mix and i i've been like kind of gradually working towards the idea of like I'll do an EP, uh, I'll keep doing small batches, and then I want to eventually have this full length that feels like a fully realized, like, this is, like, yeah. what we were working towards. This this most recent batch for Private Anxieties, I, I think I just wanted to play with some people. <laughs> to be honest, I, I wanted to see how the songs would translate, and um, we had been practicing February of 2020, Mm -hmm. I think, full band, because we were going to do like a weekend with God Damn It and first full band uh, graduation speech shows. And then COVID hit and everything stopped. This taste already of like, oh, I've played with, you know, with a band now. This is kind of fun.
0: It's interesting to hear that it's gradual, but at the same time, I would say the new record doesn't, it still sounds like you're, leading the charge you know it sounds like sure you're, sure you're you know on the train conducting what's happening and i don't mean that as you can tell that one person is running the show but right. it feels more like it's an extension of what you're writing as opposed to a collaborative effort
1: sure Does that sure. Make sense? so yeah i had demoed all three songs so uh, that's something that i i got back into recently in the last few years is demoing there's an app called spire which i don't know i saw people tweeting about and i put it on my iphone and it just completely changed my my world again <laughs> because
0: really? I, i've never heard of this what does it do oh, it's like
1: it's like the greatest thing ever. It's so oh, it's like a it's like a digital eight track recorder on your iphone i was so used to using notes that <laughs> i tell everyone about it just yeah, download I, I it it's now, the best thing ever I'll
0: forget to do it i, I will forget yeah. to
1: do it. so i was so used to doing like you know, voice messages and you can only like hum something or play guitar. You get, it's so, I I don't know, so small of a scope Um, that I started demoing songs again. So I had like so much, so many layers to the three songs that are uh, on this EP and I sent them to everyone. So really they had a pretty good idea of like what to play, kind of the direction to take the song in. And I, and I, I feel like I've gotten a little more confident lately in voicing what I'm like what I'm hearing in my head or, or just being confident in some of the songwriting decisions or production decisions. I, I, I don't know what happened, but I guess I've always been a little timid about it. And, and over the last couple of years, I've tried to trust my gut a little more with that and be not like, crazy assertive or anything but i'm like no like we should try this you know this is i think this is gonna like sound great you know yeah. and then you do it and there's always a chance that it's not going to sound great yeah. which is fine i'd rather try it and it sound like horrible and you'd be like yeah that's no good we can just get <laughs> that the verse is never trying it and then you're like oh man now i listen to this recording and i always hear that part that i wanted to do and it's just not there, and I'll just never know. It's, it's kind of um, like when
0: someone calls you out for talking in third person. Because you say, <laughs> no, you, you go out of your way to convince the people you're playing with, no, no, I trust me, I'm, I'm feeling this, and I'm hearing it this way, and let's do it X, Y, and Z. And yeah. then you do it, and you hear it back, and it's as if, you know, oh, well, Jeff really liked it that way, but Jeff was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff was very <laughs> wrong. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I've felt good about it. There there, there comes a point, I feel like, where you kind of know, I would think, I hope other people feel this way. I hope I'm just not blowing smoke here. But you kind of start to get a, a general feeling or idea of who you are as a songwriter and maybe the things that you do well. I don't rip solos. Like, that's not that's not my thing, you know, like, I'll I'll be the first to admit that, you know, this certain song structure very well. Uh, So you like kind of lean into that kind of stuff more. And you're like, well, if I'll lean into the things I do, what I think I do well, to try and make them shine more, you know, so it's like this process of figuring yourself out. And I think that's what I'm starting to learn where I'm like, you know, you should try this. Uh, It's in your it's in your realm. And well, it will probably work out. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, I mean,
0: after a handful of Astoga so. records and this is your third graduation speech release, yeah. I mean mm-hmm. that that confidence can be quite intoxicating for people too. It's and especially in a band environment where somebody thinks that you know, they carry themselves with a with an air of superiority, which is which is not good. But at a certain point as a songwriter, yeah, you begin to trust your instincts because you know Yeah. What's good. And and especially if you're trying to not work outside of your wheelhouse anyway if you if you play to your strengths then then you have confidence in in doing that i know that you probably had these songs written before presumably before the pandemic hit but they all kind of speak to me as if they were written you know this past january and the lead single everything (laughs) i need it kind of puts an optimistic smiley face sticker it's it's like you slapped it on top of, you know, the apocalypse <laughs> because you, in, in the song you're singing about the things that you have that are ordinary things. You have shelter, you have food, you have your mom looking after you, you know, you, you have these basics. Yeah. But at a time when, you know, shit, like that, that's all you need at a at, at certain right. point for survival sure. mode. Can you speak to where you were at when you were writing these songs and were they in fact pre-COVID?
1: everything i need was definitely pre covid okay. it's like a christmas song in disguise uh so uh there is a a compilation called the arbor christmas comp and it's a south jersey tradition out of the the gradwell house uh community of bands and it started i don't know i guess it's like 20 some years ago or something oh, wow. like that it's like a variety show and there's live music as well. The band started writing original Christmas songs go along with the okay. the variety show, and then it turned into a comp. And Aspiga got involved at some point. I don't know, volume twelve or thirteen. And uh I think we've done one every year since since then. Okay, and it's always a lot of fun. Uh, I feel like. You don't have a lot of time to overthink. Yeah. It's almost like you get an idea and you, you just gotta chase it down and do it. Flush it yeah. out. Yeah. And then we, so like, we'll like write and record a song. You know, it's like you write it two days before you record it and then you just go do it. And then I they, think those almost always end up being some of my favorite songs because it just feels so off the cuff and, and raw. So, everything I need was for the Arbor Christmas comp. It's the reason I call it a Christmas song in disguise is that like, you know, around that time, people are asking like, Oh, what can I get you? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's supposed to be this idea of like, you know, like I have all of these like wonderful things that you probably can't put price tag on you know what i mean and and just to um be you know a reminder to my parents that i'm doing all right you know it's like hey you don't you don't have to they're always going to worry about me (laughs) but uh you know that's what parents do but uh just kind of this general like idea of like you know like i'm really thankful for where i'm at right now and uh that's so that song was pre-covid the other two tracks
0: are definitely during COVID. So Oh really? The lyric The World Has Other Plans for You? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. so, That's so strange. Uh,
1: <laughs> that I guess, you know, New Jersey got locked down yeah. mid mid March, something around there. And I was immediately furloughed from work. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I don't I don't know what's gonna go on here. Uh so I basically told myself that I'm going to write every day. Uh it was kind of my work. I ended up being furloughed for like a month or just over a month, but I'd end up on the couch watching some sort of like random B movie or whatever. I'd end up in the shower and I'd start thinking about a song. Like I'd get an idea in the shower, like a melody or a lyric or anything and then I would go into the craft room in our uh place and I would start writing and i would write the whole song and record it all on spire from like i tried to do start to finish the whole song wow. those two songs are part of that and i actually did i have a full album demoed from that time that will probably end up being the next graduation. will be the graduation speech lp um and i have like five or six full full-blown Aspiga song stem mode so I just wrote like yeah, <laughs> 20 I mean, plus songs and recorded everything Yeah,
0: that's cool I mean you're essentially yeah. making chicken salad out of chicken shit yeah, yeah 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 so yeah
1: uh that's uh that's how I spent my time because I I to be honest I just don't I find it so hard for me to pick up my guitar I ignore it so so often mm. so I was like you know i better use this time to <laughs> you know, like, actually try to be creative uh and it was you know it was really uncertain times and people have it infinitely worse than anything i dealt with at all none of that's lost on me but it was very like i don't i don't know it felt unprecedented you know i i, I didn't know what to expect or how long it was really going to last or how long the furlough would last or anything like that. And I was like, I, I feel like I should really try to do something that, I don't know, plays into creativity and get and my mind off of some of these other things. Sure.
0: I mean, I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. I'm just a lowly singer songwriter like yourself, who happens to host a podcast, yeah. but the way that you're describing your frame of mind, everybody has a path that they've gone through in the past year and a half. And, I find it equally interesting because I feel like it helps me figure out the things that I did and the, and the, the way that I was thinking and the way that I was just doing the things that I w- was doing creatively or otherwise. But what you said struck me because it harkens back to what you had said before when you started really trusting your instincts as a songwriter when you were doing graduation speech. And because you weren't involving too many outside voices, you were leaning into what your strengths were almost as mm-hmm. a means of survival. And, and and I don't think that you were necessarily in a singer-songwriter, fight-or-flight mode when you had started graduations, right, but it wasn't right. dire. That's not what I'm implying, but it was really sure. a matter of you wanting to do something that was different than a Spiga that could live on its own, that was a more pure extension of yourself. So in order for that to survive and thrive, you you had to essentially you follow your instincts and here we are all these years later the pandemic happens we go into lockdown and it was scary and turbulent and and emotionally disturbing for everybody at different levels and you kind of go back to the positive crutch that is your songs your guitar and your want to put the indescribable into some sort of tangible song form because again that's your strength Maybe, you know, you could tell me I'm blowing this out of my ass and you actually secretly wrote a novel as well. And that's what you actually do. But... <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, you know, I thought about it. I definitely thought about that. The,
1: the thing I was, like, <laughs> super worried about, I guess, you know, I think I saw <laughs> a lot of people saying how, like, oh, 2021, expect a ton of albums about the pandemic. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> if I don't fall into that territory. And I probably do. Um, I went back and changed some of the lyrics in those songs. Um, so if you, the cassette that's coming out has the home demo versions of all three songs. And uh, everything I need is totally the same. But the other two songs are not at all. Yeah. Oh, no, they're, they vary lyrically. And I think they are way more heavy-handed on the 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 pandemic at the time and so i, I did go back and and kind of change some stuff because i i didn't want it to feel like too too heavy-handed i wanted i guess i wanted it to be a little more universal in some way not just like i don't know I, and i i know maybe i missed the mark but yeah that was like one of the few times i've actually gone back and reworked lyrics. I feel like a lot of times I just like write stuff the first time, and I'll maybe make the revisions like during the initial writing. Yeah, and that's what stays. So to go back yeah. and every white rewrite stuff was different. That is
0: such a slippery slope. Every time I've done it, I start second guessing everything. Yeah. And then it's four yeah. days later, yeah. and I just meant to revise one line, and I'm going over four songs. And... Yeah. And, and I don't know if it honestly yeah. made. I kind of did that with Cold War. I don't remember if we ever talked mm-hmm. about this, but there were a few songs on there that, you know, if, if I had to say a shortcoming of that record is that there are songs that I definitely overthought and okay. I could have oversimplified and I, cho- I chose to overthink them. And I think that was a mistake, but it was mm-hmm. a result of kind of being in that situation where it's like, I, I don't want to hold record of doom and gloom, you know, or in your situation. I don't, yeah. I don't want... The you know graduation speech, the pandemic chronicles. That's not going to be enjoyable listening. Right,
1: (laughs) right. Yeah, it's like well, you know, I don't, (laughs) I don't need to be the voice of the (laughs) pandemic chronicles at all. Like, look, (laughs) I hope that people hear it and it touches them in a way that they feel connected. That's all I ever hope for my song So uh, that's what I'm hoping for. It's just like someone puts it on and they're like. Yeah. You know, I felt like, I felt like that.
0: Well, that's what I got out of it, Kevin. Honestly. I mean, I heard it, I heard the lyrics and I thought, I know what this is about, but this is also, you know, the first interview in the last four that I I jumped to that conclusion correctly. I had been incorrect the the three previous times. So I think that's my, as the listener, that's a projection that I'm bringing to your songs. And I think other people are probably doing the same. And because this has been a, collectively and individually traumatic experience for everybody we're probably going to be doing that for the next decade
1: i feel like it's it with music and i'm probably guilty of it myself it's like you know the artist puts it out there and whatever their original intention was probably doesn't even matter once it gets to us you know every listener is going to interpret it the way they want to yeah. interpret it so i hope that they hear it and they're like well i enjoy this and uh you know It made me feel something. I feel like if if that happens, I'm doing all
0: right. (laughs) Well, that's a good segue, if there was any, into the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is you doing public relations and publicity. You know, and I started this podcast by announcing how monumental and historic this was that me, your client, is interviewing. Mm -hmm. My boss, the publicist, here we are. So uh, how how did you get involved in doing publicity? Was it just a natural extension of what you were doing for Aspiga and for your own musical endeavors? Uh, Yes, and yes. So, I didn't have the budget. None of the other (laughs) fucking assholes wanted to pay for anything. I drew the shortest straw, and now I'm stuck talking to you, Berman. Yep, all
1: right. I was doing some I mean by default I feel like every there's always someone in the band that is doing that kind of work the mouthpiece for the band uh I was the behind the scenes guy for Espiga so I was doing it for the band um a little bit when we worked with paper and plastic the first LP every last piece was done in-house and I do remember at a certain point, like uh, I think there was a little bit of like I stepped on his toes, that that was like that. That like I'm like, well, oh, I kind of do this too sometimes, probably really poorly, but <laughs> I, have, I have feelings about this. Um, and we had a publicist for the next record, so I was like exposed to that world, and then I was doing it in house for Jumpstart Records when I was working there. It was. I, I, it says part time PR was established in 2014. I'm going to say that <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. It started because Brian Moss hit me up and he was like, Hey, we're doing a new Great Apes EP on Asian Man, um, Playland at the Beach. And he was like, Do you think you can help with PR? And I was like, floored because I was like, Why do you want a stupid old maiden? <laughs> It's like I don't know what I'm doing, and that's the best record. In
0: my <laughs> but, opinion, that's the best Grady
1: record. I it's love TV. it. Yeah, it's great. So he was like, "I just think you could help," and um, so I went to town with my my Gmail, my personal Gmail account, and just started like reaching out to people, and that is the start of part time PR. Yeah. I I owe um, a whole lot to Brian for for asking. And also um, uh, Lucas, who just did the layout for the new Honolulu record, uh, we talk on the phone at least once a week for like an hour or more. And this has been going on for a few years now, probably ever since Aspiga did a West Coast tour with his band. Um, but he was very vocal about me, uh, like, trying to it was like pushing me to to do more pr and uh i don't know i just didn't know what i was doing but eventually uh you know brian asked and i'm like well i can't say no so uh i did it and uh here we are uh 2021 and it's like it's it's insane to to think that I've, i've done anything like that for the last you know However, many years. Yeah, you've been the, the artist I mean, I've You've, worked you've
0: with. done a lot for for Hanalei. You've done a lot for Divided Heaven. You've done a lot for your own stuff with Graduation Speech, Hell yeah. Minded Records, that last Shades yeah. Apart record. Yeah, you've, you've yeah. done a lot in the past couple of years.
1: Shades Apart, I had their single for for yeah. Valentine. Yeah. And then uh, Joe was like, if you want to work with Shades Apart record, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, so yeah, that's, that's how part-time PR started. And as the name implies, it's, you know, it is definitely a part-time gig. Uh, it doesn't so much feel like that, uh, since last year, I would say, but it, it allowed me to take things one at a time and learn and make mistakes and, uh, just figure things out and, I think that was really helpful and it allowed me an opportunity to to kind of pick and choose who I work with um, as well, which I think really helps because, you know, publicists have to, you know, they have to have work. So full-time publicists might take on a bunch of stuff and maybe they're kind of lukewarm to some of it, you know, maybe they love some of it, whatever, and it shakes out however it shakes out. There's a, a million reasons that Fans get coverage or don't get coverage, and and you know all of that jazz. Yeah. But and then you know I think it allowed me. If
0: you go the other route, then you end up getting you know you work for a bigger company and you kind of get stuck working. Hopefully, some artists that you really believe in and you really like, but you also get stuck working whatever is being fed right. to you. And and it, it, a lot of times when you start at places sure. like that, you're low on the totem pole, and that's just that's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, I it allowed me to to work a little more closely with artists. And, um, I don't know, just, I think it's been really beneficial for, for me and for, uh, the, the, the business and, uh, the artists too. I hope, I mean, I, I like to think that, uh, I'm very approachable and reachable and, and, you know, open to ideas and, uh, I hope that resonates with everyone that I work with uh, because I, I mean, I feel very, very, very grateful uh, to get to, to work with any of these artists, anyone, you know, to that puts their trust in me with something that's usually super close, you know, to their heart. Like that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I know I've been on the receiving end where it's like you put all this, time and energy and emotion into a piece of music and and you kind of let it go and it doesn't doesn't fly the way that you thought it was gonna fly and you pay this
0: money and then you just feel like
1: oh man like i don't know what happened but that's the universal experience
0: of working with a public relations firm you know you're paying them to sway public opinion in your favor. But sometimes it's just impossible to curry. And that's that's no fault of the publicist or the artist. It's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure. But I I do try to keep that in mind when I'm working with artists, is that like I want them to know that I'm available and that I am trying my best to to work for them. And it's been great. I, I, you know, like I said, I am I, really grateful to, to Brian for asking me. I mean, to think like I I will I guess I'll claim that Great Apes was the first like part time PR project and I mean, God, there <laughs> Brian's one of my favorite songwriters. So it's it's pretty cool to have to have that kind of be the jumping point yeah. and to continue to work
0: with Brian. So yeah. that's been really great. Uh well I can vouch for everything that you just said about yourself, you know. And and you went you went as so far as to book yourself on your own clients podcast. So (laughs) yeah. It's not true. I invited him folks. I invited him.
1: (laughs) I was like, yeah, you need to book me or things aren't working out.
0: And there you have it, my conversation with my own publicist. Kevin Day here on the Berman Hour podcast. Thanks again to New Wave's Flow State Coffee for sponsoring the podcast. Go to newwave.co/slash berman for ten percent off your order of the best coffee that I've had in a long time. I'm drinking some right now. N o o w a v e. dot c o slash b e r m a n. Also, thanks to our other sponsor, Hello Productions. If you're a manager and you have a roster of bands and you're thinking, well, maybe some of them should be doing live streams to make some extra money while we have this downtime, hit up HelloTV, dot All right, thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Let's get it.